Hi, I'm Gary, and this is episode 129 of EV Musings, a podcast about renewables, electric vehicles, and things that are interesting to electric vehicle owners. On the show today, we'll be speaking with ZapMap. Uh, this season of the podcast is sponsored by ZapMap. Before we start, I wanted to remind you that we have a 128 prior episodes back in the archives. There's information in there on various different electric vehicles, charging, charge point operators, batteries, range anxiety, cables, you name it, it's probably in there. Have a quick search and see whether you can find anything you might find interesting. Our main topic of discussion today is ZapMap. We're very lucky to entice ZapMap on board as sponsors of this podcast last season. They've kindly extended that sponsorship for the new season. And I know that they're looking to make a few product updates and announcements, so I wanted to get back to them on the show to chat, to charging infrastructure, status updates and forward-looking plans. To talk about these things and more, please welcome Dr. Ben Lane, who is, I believe, the other ZapMap co-founder and chief technology officer. Is that right, Ben? That's right. Hello, Gary. And uh, hello, listeners. Hi. I usually start with every guest by asking the same question, which is, what's your EV story? How did you get involved with electric cars? Okay. How, how long we've got is part of the answer. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm a bit of an old timer. So I'd, I've, been, I've been involved in electric mobility for going on for about 20 years. Um, so I did, a, I did a PhD focusing on hydrogen um, vehicles and, and sort of implementation strategies. Uh, finished that in 2002. So, but I was doing that, you know, I started that and started that in the last century. Um, but yeah, very, very keen to, you know, at the time I, w- I was looking at the possibilities for e-mobility and, you know, the, I wasn't the only one, but there weren't that many of us um, in the UK and elsewhere. And um, at the, again, at the time, hydrogen looked the most promising so I, I i was close to choosing the right technology in the sense of it was electrification but not quite right with the with the energy storage um mm-hmm. but um and and really and, and you know coming out of that that i i personally became convinced that it was possible uh and spent the next 10 years so that up to about 2010 um you know knocking on doors uh in the public sector you know various government departments i i i actually worked as a consultant for about 10 years you know doing reports looking at the feasibility um, also looking at all the other options at the time and there were there were many i, you, I don't know if you remember that what, what what the list looked like back then but it was lpg cng biofuels number of biofuels mm-hmm. uh petrol diesel and yeah, the list went on, um, and you know, and and it was it was very complex, and and very difficult for the consumer to understand. So at the end of that decade, um, that's what really spurred me to look at setting up a a website to help consumers understand. That became nextgreencar.com, and that's when I started working with with Melanie, the other co-founder, and that that was really the start of our journey in um, you know consumer consumer facing information what what do consumers need non-experts what what do what do we all need to choose a, you know, a green vehicle or as green as possible and um so we were very well placed when electric cars started to arrive on the market and the nissan leaf was the really the first which sort of woke everyone up and oh hang on a minute there really is a commercial product here that the 
the you know the vehicle manufacturers or one manufacturer was interested in at the, at the time um and and, and really yeah we we recognized that, that this was going to be the the future and and then set about thinking about what ev drivers were going to need of course they're going to need to know where the charge points were um and there was going to be need for a map so we we decided to just set one up and that that's what we did I think that's one of the things that is the hallmark of uh, an app that people will, they want something like that because it's found a niche in the market that nothing else can fulfill. You've got, as you said, you've got the fact that people want to know where the charges are. They want a map. They want the, the ability to be able to locate something, see what's there, how many charges, the um, you know the power rate and things like that. So that yeah. it was a bit of a niche market, which I think you got in there and, and exploited very, very well. Now, I want to come back to ZapMap in a few moments, but I do want to just loop back to something that you touched on then, hydrogen vehicles. Mm-hmm. Are you definitely of the opinion that whilst hydrogen as an energy storage has its advantages, it's probably not the right one, at least for road vehicles for uh passenger vehicles yeah i I, th- I think you're right i, th- I th- it, in a way hydrogen you could say sort of hydrogen missed its moment because you know i mentioned the nissan leaf but of course uh yeah elon musk uh, and set up tesla 2003 and and had other ideas about what the powertrain was going to be and and you know on the engineering called definitely called it right so so i think hydrogen missed its moment because battery electric technology could could deliver and i think the you you often hear the the you know the vehicle uh, manufacturers say oh you know hy- hydrogen enables uh refueling faster refueling you know or it, it it's it seems to be closer to liquid fuel as far as the experience is concerned but when you actually start to dig down hydrogen is very difficult to deal with and to transport um mm-hmm. there's a lot of hydrogen about and and um I'm not sure if this this stat is still true, but when I was doing my PhD, around two percent of the world's energy was turned into hydrogen, which is a huge amount. But wow. but most, but it goes into the chemical industry. It, it's what's used to to um, to refine petrol and diesel, or you know, crude oil into petrol and diesel. It, it's used for the cracking process. It's used to make margarine. It's used to make chemicals of of all varieties. It's a very valuable commodity. So to use hydrogen as an energy carrier is a little bit of a um, a, a, a sort of a, a new uh, sort of route that industry would have to do. But actually, to get it, you know, it doesn't come to our houses normally, as does electricity. Electricity is there already. And mm-hmm. to to set up fueling stations is is non-trivial. You know, there there were a couple around London. The, the planning process was was very difficult because there are not not a it's not more risky, but there are different risks. You know, with any new technology, there are there are different pros and cons, as I'm sure we'll come to later in the conversation with electric. So I, th- I think hydrogen has yet to find its place. Maybe stationary energy storage, maybe um, heavy duty trucks. Although I think electric might might uh, win the day on that as well. Um, so I th- so I'm not anti hydrogen. I just think that you know it's great. We've got two choices, and at the moment the the electrochemical solution. Uh, i.e. You know, what we call the battery, um, is, can deliver electric mobility now. So we, we don't have to wait for hydrogen to find its place. You know, we don't have to be anti-hydrogen. Let's just, let's just push on as fast as we can with electrification. And I think hydrogen, you know, hydrogen may find its, ra- its use as a range extender, possibly. 
you know, just a very small fuel cell, just just as emergency or a top up. Who knows? But but we we don't we don't need hydrogen for certainly for light duty. But it but it's you know it's going to find its place, and I think time is going to need to wait a little bit longer to see what that is. Yeah, I don't think, at least from my point of view, I don't think anybody is is out there saying no, hydrogen's not going to work for anything. Um, I think there are a number of people out there who believe that it will be used in areas where it's probably not best suited. And as you say, there there are existing applications that use it now, and those could expand. Um, I'm I'm with you. I don't see it for passenger cars maybe 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 on bigger trucks over longer distances but i you know i i don't think anybody um, who really has looked into this like you have in in, in the detail is going to say now nah, you know stick it in a stick it in a, a nissan leaf and i think there's more chance of the next battery chemistry coming along to you know to 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 provide that you know higher specific um, energy density so you know the the beginning of the the you know, of our journey at Zapmap there was there were nickel cadmium uh, well actually going back to about two thousand there were nickel cadmium batteries it's pre Zapmap um, and when the yeah really when the when the Nissan Leaf came out that was yeah that's when we hit um, sort of lithium lithium iron technology that's when lithium started to to show that it was a, a could form the basis of a real commercial product but i think you know there are lots of battery chemistry especially because the market's really shifting so the investment is shifting as well and not only is that investment going into more charge points you know higher power units um across the globe uh, not only is it going into manufacturer vehicles you know of higher quality and more choice and and larger size but it's also going into the battery chemistry itself. So I think we're more likely to see a step change, you know, 20, 30, 40% improvement in battery chemistry than we are, you know, all to wake up one morning and go, okay, now it's going to be hydrogen for this particular sector. So that's my personal view. Well, we shall see. I think I think you're probably very much on track there. Uh, let's loop back now to ZapMap itself and the, uh, the app. We've talked, you know, for, for those people who may not know exactly what ZapMap does, we've talked at a, a high level about some of the functionality on it. But one of the things that came out quite recently, well, fairly recently with ZapMap is the premium option, the subscriptions. Do you want to briefly go through what those are and explain the differences between the various levels for the uh, for the audience, please? Yes, I sure can. I just, maybe before I do that, a little bit of background. So the you know the core functionality is still free, and you know t- until last year, everything was free, and we've you know we've been working seven or eight years to provide you know, really high quality information free to users, you know, because we really, you know, our mission is to support the switch from from ICE to EV. I mean there, there came a point where we we needed to tend to make some revenue too. So that's the that's the thinking behind plus and premium, which I'll I'll go through shortly. But but I I think I'd just like to you know start off the the conversation by saying the the majority of the functionalities and that's behind search plan and pay are still free. And if you know for instance we don't want to put any barrier uh, in front of using ZapMap for payment, so um, a lot of your listeners will know that we we offer ZapPay, and we can talk more about that later as well. So you, you know, there's no that's outside subscription. So essentially, the core is free, but we we wanted to offer some additional features um, such as CarPlay and Android Auto, and that that's what forms part of the subscriptions package. Okay, so there are two levels of subscription. What are the um, what are the differences then? 
So, um, so yeah, within our, so we offer two subscriptions package packages, uh, yeah, as well as the free, obviously there's the plus and the premium. So the, 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 the core step up, like essentially is essentially we, we want to offer, or we do offer, um, additional, um, search and, and planning capabilities. So say with search, we've got, um, there are more, uh, filter options such as you can, you can filter and find, um, on the map, all the um, all the locations that have got multiple chargers, and you can search for um, three, four, or five or more chargers if you want that. You know, if you want to find locations with with that resilience, and you can look also, you can search by rating. So we, we, we because we've got so many users, we ask them to to rate the locations to help other users. So that's our user rating. So for instance, on the as part of the plus and premium you can also search by those user ratings as well. You can still see them on the free map. As you open the location, it will show you how many, you know, how many user rating stars out of five um, that are there, but, but it just gives you that additional functionality. The third important one is actually, you can see all the new charges. Again, if you, if you need the public network, the free version will show you everything that's available and with its status as well for majority of charges. But if you want to specifically only see the new ones that have gone in the last couple of weeks in your area, that's also part of Plus and Premium. And then the key distinction between Plus and Premium is that Premium also gives you the the CarPlay and Android Auto. So we've been very keen, you know, from the outset for a number of years, we've really wanted to get the, the app experience into the car. And fortunately, most of, I'd say the vast majority of new EVs are CarPlay um, and or Android Auto compatible. So that was part of our, our premium product that, that that we launched last year. So that, so yeah, it's on Android and iOS as you would expect. Actually, in the last uh, additional benefit you get with the subscription packages is you can save more as well. So in the free, you can save a filter, you can save an EV. In the plus, you can save up to three EVs and three filters. And then on the premium, you've got unlimited. I'm not sure what the maximum number is, but it's very high, but it's unlimited. I'll, I'll see if I can break that for you at some point. Then I... Yeah, see if you can get over a thousand and we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not sure I can get a thousand for different filters, but one of the things I particularly like, uh, and you've mentioned it already about the premium version, is the ability to highlight new charges within, I think it's the last 30 days. And I, I actually posted something out um, a couple of weeks ago on Twitter and it was a, a screenshot from the app and it was all the new uh, high power chargers, well, 50 kilowatt and higher, that had been um, installed in the last 30 days. And it was a huge number. And it's mm. things like that that help to raise the awareness of, yeah, maybe the infrastructure is not 100% where it needs to be at the moment, but it's definitely heading in the right direction when you see the number of charges that have been installed at the the number of uh, absolutely the amount of Absol investment yeah. that the charge point operators are making yeah and it's a really important page on our website so zap-map.com there's a stats page and yeah i'm i'm looking at it now because the numbers are going up so quick it's really it's really hard to keep up so we've got um so on our leading stats on the number of charge points there's over fifty thousand connectors it's just ticks over fifty one thousand fifty one thousand is two as as we speak and that's so it's 50,000 connectors over 30,000 devices, and those are spread over almost 20,000 locations. So that, those are the three key dimensions. But you're right, the number is huge. So in the last month, um, almost 900 
new devices have, have been added and, and they'll they will be appearing on the, the as new markers on the map as, as you just said right i want to come back about stats in a few seconds because i've got a quick question on that but one just sort of wrapping up on the um the premiums and the filters etc at the moment the filters uh, that are associated with plus and, and uh, premium are on the apps only. Is there a plan to sort of incorporate those into the web page? Because you can still do the login on the web page to get your own personalized information. Can you then get really the good? Yeah, really good point. You make a really good point. We essentially, we, yeah, we, uh, you know, our key goal was to to get subscriptions released on the apps. When we're, we're now working on the the website to to bring up the, you know the website up to the same capability. So you're you're quite right. It doesn't have all the functionality as the apps do. Got, obviously, the the apps are most important to our users because when you're out and about, you're more likely to have a device than Absolutely. than your than your desktop or your laptop with you. Although you know your laptop is definitely possible, but we're very keen now to improve the the uh, the desktop experience. In fact, we've got a couple of new people in the team who are working uh, on that very thing right now. Let's look back to the stats now. Now you talked there about some of the statistics that you've gathered in terms of the number of uh, connectors, the number of units, the number of locations. But one of the other things that I know a lot of people use ZapMap for is they look at some of the status updates on particular charges. Have people checked in? Have they identified errors and that sort of thing? Do you have any statistics you can share about the number of status updates that are done on the app every day by the users? Uh, or oh, not not on hand, but I, I can tell you, you know, generally. So we've got over seventy percent of all the all the devices are updated every five minutes across across the uh, across the whole of the UK on on ZapMap. That that's our and you know and, and there's a certain proportion that just can't provide that data. There's a lot of, sort of dumb dumb units out there. So the the you know the majority of devices, you know, we've got inbound APIs in our system coming here we've got um, good relationships with with the cpos so that data comes into the zapmap platform and we update that every five minutes so i haven't got the figures for the if you like the user updates but we consider those user updates as important because because just because it's machine updated information doesn't mean it's right that's that's the key that's the bottom line and as we know um apis go down the the, the information that the cpos have have available to them isn't always right it, it is for the majority of the time but there are you know significant minority of cases where someone is actually at the unit i mean you've probably been in this position yourself i i certainly have you're in front of a unit the the map says it should be working because the cpo thinks it's actually working but you're a real person you're there and actually you see there's a problem it may not be a problem with the device it could be you know it could be the 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 bay is iced could be it's uh, there's, there's a barrier gone down which shouldn't have gone down it's, it should be 24 access but it's not or it could be the device there may be a a crack in the connector and it's just not uh, ID, you know, not a good idea to use it, or maybe the unit has actually just gone down, but it hasn't hasn't told its own back office. So we see that there's a complementary nature of human and machine information together is is part of the ZapMap solution, and that's why we include the um, the, the user updates. And it also works on there's a couple of networks we don't have dynamic updates for. The old example of that was Ecotricity. Of course, they're you know they're all migrating over to GridServe. But um, but you know, but user users were helping each other 
on keeping up to date with the statuses and the availability and the usability of, of the units in, in that particular case. Okay, so just to clarify for people who may be listening, when you say that 70% of the units are updated every five minutes, does this mean that um, I'm, I'm looking at the app now and I've picked my local charger and for each particular connector, you've got a little thing on there that says available sort of nine minutes ago network. Does that mean that the unit is reporting back to the charge point operator and you're polling the charge point operator to get that information to update the yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So there's two API links. Yeah. There's the the unit back to the 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 CPO's back office, and then we have a um, an API set up with the CPO. Then that message has to come across to us. So the so yeah, the the vast majority of cases it works, but there you know there are always you know there are lots of cases where it doesn't. The the signals go down. The information isn't right, and that's where our community of which are many hundreds of thousands that's where our community help each other and that's that's partly what zapmap's about it's it's not just a tech platform which is giving information it's a platform for the ev community to help each other and that that's yeah melanie and i set set it up with with that concept with that idea and in fact zap chat the, the 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 messaging platform within ZapMap was one of the first features because it's still true now, but it's even true in the in the first couple of years of EVs. There was a very strong community of uh, pioneers, EV pioneers, helping each other and learning. We were all on a learning curve, and we're still on a learning curve, but it's still true. There's you know the the our users are super engaged with each other and and with us in in the office, and um, we you know, we. We, you know, we see our user base as the we we see them as that map. It's not it's not the the uh, the software. It's our user base, and uh, yeah, we, we value them, and we try to. That's why we try to provide as much useful, accurate information as possible, because that's that's what EV drivers need. Totally agree. How many different charge point operators do you get live updates from at the moment? Okay, yeah. So there, so in in the market, you know, in in the in the UK, there are forty plus networks, CPOs, charge point operators in in all, and we've got um, inbound APIs for uh, over twenty of those. Now, of course, the the CPOs that we've got those APIs generally are the larger ones, and so that that's the why yeah we've got more than half of the network have have live updates but yeah it's it's well over 20 and the number's growing all the time we've also got different types of integration with the cpo so step one is obviously having uh, static data the correct the correct type of charger uh, the device and the connector that's that's step one. Then going to dynamic information, which is this live update step two. And then there's also bringing payment, uh, the possibility of payment with that CPO. That's what we call ZapPay. And we've got nine CPOs um, signed up with ZapPay. And we've got more coming on stream in the future as well. So so there's a number of levels of integration. But with the, the live updates, I say, yeah, well over half of the CPOs in the UK, the major ones, which represent 70% of the devices. Okay. And I would be shirking my responsibility as a podcast host if I didn't ask the question, which is, are there any CPOs that you've approached who've said, no, we do not want to be involved in this? Because obviously you mentioned Ecotricity, the, the old Ecotricity, who made it quite clear they didn't want to share that sort of data. Are there still ones on the market that have that uh, that attitude? 
Yeah, it's a simple answer, yes. Um, it's easy. Your users can find out by just going onto our app and looking at the list of networks. Yeah, yes, there are. And, you know, we, we've got really positive relationships with all the CPOs, but they've all got different business models. They've got different position in the market. So, we, yeah, we fully understand uh, why, you know, and those that do want to share data and those that don't. So, it's, it's you know, it's very much we, we see it as you know, data partnership with, with the CPOs and some of them um, have, you know, their own reasons why they, they're not ready to share data, but we still talk to them and we, you know, we look forward to working with them and possibly sharing data as quickly as we can. Are you in active discussions with any of those that aren't on, uh, on board yet to uh, bring them on board? Oh yeah, ab- absolutely. You know, we're, we're in discussions with, I'd say, all the CPOs all the time. That's, uh, we are part of our, in, you know, in our in our development team and also our senior team. Those discussions about working with, not just on data, but working with with CPOs is key because because you know, essentially, we we are the UK's leading aggregator. We we want to, as I said before, we want to. We see our mission is to provide that really high quality information across. The whole of the UK. We can talk about other countries maybe later in the call. That's our key mission in order to help the switch. We know that a lot of people will, if they're you know if they're unsure about buying an EV, they'll check on ZapMap, and when they see how many charge points there are, that'll help them make the decision. So obviously, our discussions and our relationship uh, with the CPOs is key because that's all part of bringing the data together. So we see it as a data partnership, and yeah, we really want to work with the CPOs to to help them understand what's going on in the market as well for an, as an example where those cpos where we do have live updates we provide you know key information back to the cpos so if we're getting lots of users who who are reporting really good things on the network or there are problems on the network we will feed that back to the cpo because we think that they need to know and that's all part of you know working towards um, yeah, working together to to solve problems because there are lots of problems out there still. We know that, but we think the only way to do that uh, is to play our role in in sort of facilitating all those all, all those conversations and and trying to get the best information out there. And is that done procedurally? I is there something in the background that's saying I'm getting a lot of hits on a certain charger? I need to look at that, or is that somebody a physical human sitting and monitoring the the chat that's coming in and, and identifying trends? Yeah, a little bit of both. It's more more on the yeah you know, the chats. If there are if there are you know key issues coming through on the chats, then then we you know, we've got a data team who who check the data coming on to the ZapMap platform. But equally, we've uh, we've got a a community team, and the, you know our community team will be tracking feedback, and and you know they know who to talk to in the CPOs. They might just say, oh, there's there's a problem in this particular region. And um, you know, and 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 we can provide visibility to the CPO. So, in a way, we're providing visibility to the users about what's available, where it is, and is it available right now. And and also, you know, we, we provide a, a service, as we see it, to the, the CPOs as well to help them understand, you know, where they should build uh, new charges next, and how that their, their current infrastructure is working and being used. Let's talk. A little bit about ZapPay. Now, you've mentioned it already, and obviously it's one of the USPs of your particular app, which is that rather than having to mess around with uh, RFID cards and, uh, you know, however it is, you can sit, you can plug your, your vehicle in, you can sit in the car and you can start the charge and make it and, and use the app as payment. The question that I have 
sort of it's an extrapolation of that, which is one of the areas that I think uh, is going to be big in terms of paying for charging is plug and charge. One of the problems that that particular process has at the moment is that you need a separate token for each supplier or each charge point operator so that, you know, they can all be paid separately. But with ZapPay being able to deal with numerous different uh, charge point operators, is there a, a market opportunity for you there to go in and say, we will deal with the plug and charge token aspect? Yeah, really good question. Yeah, and you, you cover a lot of ground in that question. <laughs> Maybe let, let's come to the plug and charge in a, in a, in a couple of minutes. Just the, I think the first thing on... Well, the first thing on payment is that, you know, I think I think you, know, you and your listeners will know, you know, the, the, the current range of payment systems are, well, free. There are actually quite a lot of free units out there. So let's but put free to one side. But if you need to make payment, essentially you've got, you know, RFID card, you've got app and you've got contactless. I think I think those are generally accepted to be currently the, the main three options. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, you know, the beginning of the of our payment journey, we, we decided that, you know, we're, we're an app, we're digital. So we decided not to go down the RFID route, not to, 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 you know, to do a zap, a zap map RFID card. And the reason for that is we don't think it's going to be the winner in the long term. We think it's a, you know, it's an, it's an early technology. It's a, a temporary technology. Um, and that, you know, and RFIDs are already sort of losing favor, but, but they, you know, we, they were needed at the beginning of the, of, of sort of the, the charging point story in the UK and elsewhere. So you know they they played their role, but but things are moving on. So we we see the future as digital, and we see it as either um, app based payments you know, using your device and um, contactless. So we're you know we're we're not anti contactless at all. We really support contactless because what we support uh, you know our strapline is charging made simple. So anything which makes that that charging experience simple and you know, when you're there, when it's raining and you've got 5% in the car, the last thing you want is 20 minutes faffing around trying to get a charge. So we're trying to make that as simple as possible. So what we bring to the market in, in the UK and, you know, elsewhere later, but what we bring to the market is um, if you're an aggregated payment solution. So we're not, you know, we're not the only one out there, but what, but what we've tried to do is to make a very simple ABC. It, there are three stages with a high quality app experience linked to as many networks as possible. Now we've got nine signed up. We've got three live as, as I speak, um, a number of those rolled out in the next month or two, but we've got nine signed up. We're actually, yeah, we're doing the hard work now of integration. And when I say it's hard work, it, you know, it's complex, but, mm. but your users don't, yeah, your listeners don't need to know about the complexity. All they need is the, the final product. And that's what we're working towards. But we also want to sign up more for that. Now, you can, we, we see the, 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 the app payment through ZapPay sitting alongside contactless. And actually, they might merge because if you go to um, parts of Asia, South Korea, most people don't use their cards for payments. They use their mobiles. They use Apple Pay or Google Pay. So that will be likely, to, you know, as quickly as we can, we'll make that the next iteration of ZapPay where we bring Apple Pay and, and um, Google Pay within our integrated solution. And then it will be, it won't be ABC, it might be A. <laughs> it might be you press one button and you, you know, you use your device as you would a card. So you can see that app payments and contactless are not that far apart. They're part of the same solution. Does that make sense? 
it does. Great. Okay. So that's that's the first part of my answer. <laughs> I think that, you know, I think the, the second part is about yeah, long term the long term destination. And 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 yeah, we really support the, the plug and the plug and charge type solution, the plug and charge solution, uh, sorry, experience where yeah, and 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 just so your listeners know, this is where you you don't need uh, an app or anything in your hand at the time. Uh, they still have a role to play, but we can come back to that if we want. But you know, you plug your car in, the the charge point and the vehicle talk to each other. They know that you're the owner. They know the, they they recognise each other and they start the charge and they 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 happily take the money out of your account automatically without your knowledge. So mm-hmm. that's so that's yeah, we completely support that and we are working towards that and i think yeah we're currently doing a lot of thinking about how we work towards that and um so at the moment for instance there's a there's a number coming out an iso standard the iso 15118 so the iso 15118 is is a standard which which many you know um companies are using to deliver that it's not the only game in town but we are looking at that and we'd be yeah we'd really like to get something like that in the market as quickly as possible but there's a lot of work to do on the integration side it's you know the it's not just the the customer facing product it's all the integration under the hood that needs to be done but we are we are um yeah we're looking very hard at that and we want to bring that to market as, as quickly as we can because because we think that's what we want uh, we we know that's what ev drivers want and of course before i'll let you get a word in a minute but the, the key thing is that key key ev drivers i.e tesla drivers have had this for getting on for a decade so it's not like mm-hmm. it's uh it's a new idea it's an old idea Tesla have had it a little bit easy because they have a complete closed system. They, you know, they make the vehicles, they make the chargers, they can make all the, they make all the software, they can make everything talk to each other. You know, ZapMap uh, and others, we're, we're in a different space where we've, we need to talk to different technologies, different back offices. Uh, we use OCPI, which is a, a well-known data standard, but even then it's far from trivial to get all these different systems all humming and singing off the same song sheet that's our job it's very hard work we're completely happy to do it because that's what zapmap is we try to make all this complexity really simple so the end user experience is as simple as possible excellent answer lovely thank you i like that right i've got a little sort of a a brain teaser for you at the moment just see how we can get on with this now it goes without saying i love zapmap as an app don't get me wrong but the one big issue i have with it is this I need to get to somewhere like Norwich from where I live in Hampshire. Now, what I'll usually do is I'll hit Google Maps, I'll check the possible route, I'll check the distances involved. And when I know how far it is, I need to then go to ZapMap to check the charges that are en route and available. Now, the problem is that ZapMap doesn't have the mapping slash search slash planning function that Google has. You can't find a distance from my house to a specific point that doesn't have a charger, for example nor can I check a route without needing to plan the trip and locate charges along the way. But Google doesn't have the ZapMap filter functionality I like. Mm. So, you know, show me only the Osprey or GridServe or MFG or InstaVault multi-unit charges en route. And this means that planning a journey is a two-stage process. Talk to me about 
if and how you'd solve that issue. Okay, yeah, really, really good question. And um, and yeah, thanks for the affirmation and and but thanks for the criticism as well. We're always always open to positive criticism. I mean, I I I think I'd start by saying that our root planner may have a bit more functionality than you think. I mean, happy to talk around this. We, you know, we we we've got APIs from Google coming into the Zapmap platform. So when you plan a route, stage one is, you know, it will suggest a route, and that's. You know, essentially, you know, Google, we get that from Google and it will go, you know, is this the route that you want? And you can put some waypoints or not. And, you know, at the moment, you know, Google isn't the only game in town, Apple and, you know, there are other, there are other mapping providers. So we, we could use others, but we, but it is possible to, to get your, to plan your route first within, within our route planner. So, you know, it may, you know, it, it may not have all the functionality that Google and other platforms have, but, but it is possible to do that. And then when you're happy with the route, then you can choose, you know, how far from the route do you want to search? Last year, we, we launched the auto route where you don't have to do anything. You just say, you know, this is my, as long as it knows what EV you have and what your starting charge is, um, you know, how much risk you want to take in going down to 5%, then it will work out on live data what's actually available in real time, it will come up with a recommendation. But you've also got, you know, show every, show me all the charges on the route and also suggest some charges and then you can sort of work with the route planner. So it, it definitely does that. But I talked about, you know, we're thinking about 15118 in, in the future. We're doing a lot of work on on our route planner. So there, there will be, uh, you know, at our next iteration of our route planner out by the end of the year. You know, we've done a lot of work in, in uh, refactoring the code and getting it ready for the next stage, so we're you know, we're still building that at the moment. And our key, I think, our key challenge at the moment is how do we keep the, how do we keep this experience as simple as possible, but again give give users who are traveling, you know, who are planning longer journeys, you know, the capabilities they need. I know exactly what it's like. I, I've just spent two weeks crossing Spain. Unfortunately, not with ZapMap yet but um but i i know exactly the the challenges out there that yeah you're you've got a number of things going on you need to find the right charges but yeah there, there's a particular route you want to go on and things change halfway through the journey you might want to change so we've we've done a lot of work on our current route planner but there is more to come and the, there'll definitely be a, a new version by the end of the year thank you for that uh you did sort of tangentially touch on my next question which is you're very much UK based at the moment in terms of coverage and several of the other apps in this space are not. Are there plans to expand that way? Uh, yes, definitely. And uh, we're, we're actually in the Republic of Ireland already. So we're actually outside the UK, just just um, just so everyone knows. But but um, but I, but I think you know, we we're actually going through an investment round right now. And a key part of our goal is you know, once that round is closed is to uh, energize on on going to other countries so yeah the inter- so international going international and and we, yeah we're looking at the the areas you'd probably suspect we're looking at europe uh, partly because of our proximity to europe but there's some really important you know ev markets in europe you know france and germany are the large yeah really large automotive markets like the uk and there are a lot of evs there and there are a lot of users that that um you know that that might like 
the, the way we approach data and, and, and presenting the information. Uh, and we're also we're looking at North America as well, which is interesting because, you know, they're a couple of years behind us as far as EVs, apart from Tesla, obviously. And, you know, we're looking at other, other areas too. So, but, you know, probably no surprise those areas I mentioned, but we're, we're really keen to, to make ZapMap properly international as quickly as we can. But, you know, it's going to take a lot of work and a lot of investment to make that happen. So what is the ultimate strategic direction for ZapMap? Are you trying to become the charger locating app of choice? the charge payment app of choice, the route navigation app of choice, or something else? Okay, well, that's a really good question. <laughs> Can I say all of the above? I mean, I, th- I, th- I think, you know, I think one thing that we have got right, I'm not saying we got everything right at all, and, we, and we, you know, we, we get lots of positive and negative feedback and we respond to, to, to both. Um, I think one thing we have got right, though, is we've, we've tried to... To, to give the breadth of information services that EV drivers need. Yeah, they need the search. You need to find the charger. You need the search capability. You need a routing um, capability as well. Um, and you also need a payment capability. And then, you know, we've got plenty of competitors and they often focus on one of those, but we're very keen to, we think there's a minimum search plan pay. We also do share and drive. That's, and we think those five areas, you, you, you know, that the market needs really high quality, you know, one shot, one shop stop, or is it one stop shop, I should say, one stop shop for all of that information. There's a couple of other dimensions as well. You know, we're mainly a a consumer, a private driver platform at the moment. But at the beginning of this year, we we got into partnership with Allstar. So there's the Allstar fleet card. And uh, we're working very close together. So if you're an Allstar fleet user and you've got an all-star card you can now put your all-star electric one card number into the app and then you can do app payments through through zap pay and but we're working hard on on um on fleet products in the future because there are a lot of a lot of electric vans already on the road but a lot more coming as well as electric um company cars so we're, we're you know, working on those fronts too um I'm, I'm not quite answering your question i know i th- what where do, I mean, I think we are all, we always see ourselves as on the side of the consumer and I include fleets in that. And I, I can't see us moving away from that because that has been our mission from day one is what, what do EV drivers need? What, what, how can we give them that high quality information in as simple as possible as way? So we're, we're going to keep on doing that. It's going to be a key part of our mission to help the switch to, to EV. And as we know, you know, by the end of the decade, you won't, You'll only be able to buy an EV, which which is uh, we think is absolutely right for the environmental yeah. reasons and lots of other reasons mm-hmm. too. Our aim is to keep that breadth and to keep providing really high quality service across search plan pay, but also share sharing information, user to user, and also drive. That's the in car experience. Talk to me then about the business model for ZapMap. Now your basic app is free. The basic stats on the website are free. The website itself is free. You've got the subscriptions, as we've talked about. But mm-hmm. I imagine the overhead on running servers and the teams that manage those isn't totally covered by the income from that, although I could be wrong. So where are you ultimately looking to make money and mm-hmm. repay the investors who've put money into the business? Yeah. Uh, you know, what revenue streams can we build so we can keep on providing that really high quality information. So you've mentioned subscriptions. Absolutely. That's one way that yeah, we're going to bring some money in the company to reinvest in 
future products. We also, you know, earlier on in the call, I mentioned that, you know, we, we provide services to CPOs. So we see, we see ourselves very much as supporting the whole industry. And, th and that's, you know, the vehicle manufacturers and the charge point operators as well. So we, we, we sell data as well. We do a little bit of advertising. So advertising and data sales, are, 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 we, we do get some revenues from that too. And in the longer term, our payment solution, we will take um, a small proportion of the, the, the cost of a charge. So that's, mm -hmm. it, you know, it's very, it's very competitive. It's not a large margin. If we, if we get it right, there will be enough margin there again, that, that we can grow the company because we knew we're about 30 getting on for, yeah, maybe we've got a few people just joined, so maybe 35 max. We need to double the size of the company in order to keep up with the market because the market's really growing, but we want to, but our key mission is to use those revenues invested in the people in the team because our team, as well as, as our users, our team is at map two. Uh, invested in the team and so we can carry on improving the products going forward. Talk to me about ZapMap over the coming months, weeks, years. What's uh, what's happening? What's exciting you about it? Okay, well, I, I've mentioned a number of the key things that we're working on, but I'll, I'll, I'll mention those and a few other things too. So we are, we're, yeah, we're working really hard to get information to our fleet users on, on a fleet product, which um, we're aiming to launch by the end of the year. So I've, I've talked already about our partnership with uh, Allstar, we're going uh, building on that partnership. We're going beyond and building a very strong fleet solution to to help those fleets that are moving towards EVs. Um, some are further than others, but but fleets have their own requirements. So they have they need additional information than private drivers do. So we're working very hard on that. And as I say, we we we're aiming to get a product out by the end of the year. Very excited about that because fleets are a little bit behind the, uh, the the private market, but they'll catch up very quickly, and the number of miles that will be driven on electric by those by those fleets will, you know, could overtake um, private private mileage on EV pretty quickly. So that's that's one thing. We're working on getting ready to go international. So we um, we if if you like we're we're getting the platform ready to sit within other countries with different languages that's most likely going to be next year but there's a lot of preparatory work to do so um, we're very excited about that but our users aren't going to see anything for a while but we are working hard on that um, we're working really hard to to uh, bring more cpos onto ZapPay because um, ZapPay really only kicked off last year as far as the the numbers of users are concerned and we've as i mentioned before we've got nine cpos signed up we want essentially to have the majority of the major cpos signed up to zappay um, by the end of the year so a lot of its conversations you know we've got um, fully charged uh, live is is coming up following this call we'll be um yeah meeting um you know our contacts in all the cpos and and continuing those conversations but we're really keen to do that um but also we're doing maybe more immediately we're doing some re refreshes on the website we're going to be adding some new functionality to the plus and the premium options um we're going to be doing an update on carplay and, and android auto so they'll they'll be rolled out in 
the, the short and the medium term before some of the other things I've, I've just mentioned. And we're also doing a lot of thinking on this plug and play piece, which is the, the 15118 or, or similar. So mm -hmm. some of these projects are in discovery and in, in planning and in build. And some of these are, some of the work we're doing is product updates. And I, you know, the, the current user base, the current users are going to see those, those product refreshes um, first, you know, over the summer and into the autumn. But all these these major changes, these major advances in in sort of platform capability, they'll come they'll come through next year. But um, I'd, I'd like your listeners to know we're working really hard on them now. So we're very excited by those, but we won't be able to show our working um, for for uh, another twelve months or so. But but they, but they will come. I always finish my interviews with the same question which is if you were king for a day what is the one thing that you would do that would facilitate the uptake of electric vehicles in this country okay i think that's relatively easy as far as no it's not it's not easy to do but it's easy to say i think i would either mandate or if i you know or or if i had the the, the resources essentially build the equivalent of the supercharger network for non-Teslas across Europe, and 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 you know, and I'm thinking of, you know, I'll name i name a name, you know, the Ionity, the Ionity type charger, very high quality, very reliable, and you know, in, I'd include Instavolt and, and Osprey units in that as well, but really high powered units, sort of 100 kilowatts plus, in uh, hundreds of locations, but at each location. Uh, a lot of redundancies, so at least four units. You know, actually, you, in the last couple of weeks, I was actually at an ionity station. One unit very rarely didn't want to communicate, so I just moved to the next one. And it wasn't an issue because there was all that redundancy. Now, that doesn't happen very often, though, on ionity, I should say. But that was a rare case. But it was absolutely no problem because this particular location, there were there were six bays. So, yeah, I'd, I'd, you know, I'd say, you know, 50 to 100 high-quality mini hubs they're not they're not exactly like a petrol or fuel station equivalent they're mini hubs on trunk roads on a roads but with high levels of redundancy as well as hardware quality excellent answer and i think you'll agree with some of the charge point operators at the moment they're definitely heading towards that i mean we've had the banbury intervolt which has just been upgraded from 8 to 16 just down the road from there there's the osprey uh, six unit one um, in fact, I did a whole episode on, uh, in fact, I did two episodes on hubs. There's that many of them popping up around the place, but um, there's still a way to go. But I think we're definitely on the right, uh, the right track there, aren't we? Agreed. I, I think we, I think that the industry knows what it needs to deliver now. And I think users are expecting, you know, they, they, they know what is coming. And I think the, the hard work is, is getting those units in the ground and also all the, the data implementation behind the scenes, because that's, that's, as we know from, from our experience, that's non-trivial too. Dr. Lane, thank you very, very much for your time. I appreciate it. I think it's been an excellent discussion. Thank you very much. Okay. Thanks, Gary. Good talking to you. Many, many thanks to Ben for his time and to Zapmap for their continuing sponsorship of the podcast for this season. And now it's time for a cool EV or renewable thing to share with your listeners. This is more relevant if you're an outdoorsy type of person. How would you like a portable wind turbine that fits in your backpack? Canadian company Orea has developed just such a thing. It's called the Shine, it weighs just three pounds, it's about the size of a water bottle, 
and it can charge any USB device or up to four phones, but not at the same time. The result may look a little different, but it is, in fact, a micro version of a regular wind turbine. It even has the same mechanism called yawing, which allows the turbine head to spin into the wind so you don't have to worry about which direction the wind is blowing. It works at wind speeds from 8 miles an hour, a gentle wind breeze, to 28 miles an hour, enough to sway heavy branches and flip umbrellas. Although if your plan is to go somewhere with zero wind, you may be better off packing a portable solar panel. The turbine is shaped a bit like a mini Zeppelin. It features three gently curved blades that fold out like flower petals and a collapsible tripod that's stored inside. The product launched on Kickstarter last year and on Indiegogo last week. It's raised over $270,000 so far and it will be shipping in a matter of months just in time for camping season. Fantastic. The EV Musings podcast is sponsored by ZapMap. ZapMap is the go-to app for EV drivers in the UK. Use it to search for available chargers, plan electric journeys, pay for charging on participating networks, and share updates with other EV drivers. ZapMap is free to download and use with subscription plans for enhanced features, such as using ZapMap in car, on CarPlay, or Android Auto. And that's the show for today. Hope you enjoyed listening to it. If you want to support the podcast and the newsletter, please consider contributing to becoming an EV Musings patron. The link's in the show notes. Don't want to sign up for something on a monthly basis? If you enjoyed this episode, why not buy me a coffee? Go to coffee.com slash evmusings and you can do just that. ko-fi.com slash evmusings. Takes Apple Pay too. If you want to contact me, I can be emailed at evmusings at gmail.com and I'm also on Twitter at musingsev. If you want a quick reference ebook to read on your Kindle, I wrote a little something called So You've Got Electric! It's available on Amazon Worldwide for the measly sum of 99p or equivalent, and it's a great little introduction to living with an electric car. Please check it out. Links for everything we've talked about in the podcast today are in the description. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe. It's available on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Please do leave a review, hopefully five stars, but entirely up to you, as it helps raise visibility and extend our reach in search engines. If you've reached this part of the podcast and you're still listening, thank you so much. Why not let me know you've got to this point by tweeting me at MusingCV with the words, a word from our sponsor, hashtag, if you know, you know, nothing else. Thanks, as always, to my co-founder, Simon. You know, he's looking at going into crypto in a big way. He's bought thousands of those Arduino computers that are just designed to mine Bitcoin. He's got them all racked up in a shed beside his house. No idea how much money he's wasting on electricity, but at least he's sure everything's secure. He's had a custom-made security program built which randomly changes the IP address of every device in a given period of time. We've got over 70% of all the, all the devices are updated every five minutes. Many, many thanks for listening. Bye-bye.